0: Welcome to the Battleground, Wisconsin. My name is Matt Ruskin, I'm the deputy director from Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And, ho! Oh, fall is here. It's fall. It feels like fall. It's gorgeous. I love it. I believe it's 54 degrees as we record outside. I believe that's the coldest it's been in months, which means, of course, Robert Craig is in hiding because he loves the heat. Now Robert is gone. He did, however, record a couple of segments, an interview later in the show. We're going to have a uh, discussion on broadband. That'll be later. More on that later with Robert. But we have a special guest for our first two segments this week. We brought back Priscilla Bort, our Movement Politics Director here at Citizen Action. Priscilla, it's great to have you.
1: Thanks. I'm excited to be back again.
0: Well, Priscilla, it's great to have you. It was awesome last time. And, you know, quite frankly, I think you're, you're so good. Maybe we should just dump Robert. Yep. I'm, I'm, that is my new proposal. This is no. okay. Okay. No, we're just going (laughs) to probably have to figure out, we're going to have to add you permanently. Uh, We'll talk more about that later. Uh, You're like the frog. I'm the proverbial frog in the boiling pot of water, Priscilla Bort. It's great to have you.
1: Thanks, I am. I am excited. Um, happy to be back. Happy to accept a, a full time podcast position as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, Priscilla, we have we only get two segments, but um, a lot to talk about. And I wanted to dive right into the elections since you are a movement politics director, and we're we're so knee deep in election season. What we what I want to talk to you about is the absolute trash. That is all over, not only the television, your digital spaces, if you still like the radios, if you go on YouTube, if you stream, uh, you just can't, your mailbox, it's everywhere, the election is everywhere and it's garbage and in particular what I want to talk to you about is the race, uh, the Mandela Barnes, Ron Johnson race, and the absolutely racist, horrendous ads that are being run and sent through all the different mediums against Mandela Barnes. Um, Yesterday, uh, we record Thursday morning, SEIU, a number of other allies, uh, state legislators, you know, had an event to really call this out. And shout out to them for, for calling this. But Wanted to get your thoughts. Um, you've seen a number of these ads. I mean, I it's I don't think it's debatable. These things are just straight up racist. Um, but uh your thoughts and, and in particular, if immediately love to get your thoughts on like the are these seem to be effective. We talked last week about the Marquette poll, Um and just get your thoughts on the state of play right now in this race.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean. We knew this was going to happen. We knew that whenever you have a prominent Black person running for a statewide office, you know, Republicans are going to use that against them. Granted, it's so early still. It's only September 22nd. We still have a little less than 50 days where these ads could get far worse. Um, they're gross. Oh. Just- Yeah, I know. I know it could get worse, but yeah, they're, they're gross and they're everywhere. You cannot escape them no matter where you are, like you said. So it's, it's frustrating. We knew it was going to happen, but it doesn't make it any, any better. And we knew they would deny, of course, that although they're not being racist, that just showing the facts. Uh, But yeah, it's, it's just a gross political time uh, where we got to sift through all the noise. And it's hard to sift through all the noise when you're constantly seeing these ads where they darken Mandela's face and they circle people at protests and say, hey, that's Mandela when he wasn't there. Uh, So it's gross and it's hard to sift through it all for sure. I can't imagine what Mandela is even Going through watching oh. these ads about himself, like if we're feeling so bad, I can't imagine what it's like to be on the other side of it. Yeah, uh,
0: apparently, Priscilla, it makes him want to have some peanut butter sandwiches.
1: Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, <laughs> yes, which I get. I'm a good, uh, I like a good peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, look, we have we've discussed in the past our disagreements. uh We know we've got some disagreements with the campaign on. Mm -hmm. on positioning around ice but one thing that i really like in the way mandela is responding is he's trying to be civil he's trying to strike a tone of like first of all a senatorial tone and and keeping focused on his who he is and how he will represent regular working people and that he understands them and staying focused on the issues and, and more of a positive agenda, which I'm hoping, and I'd like your thoughts on this this is the only that over time that we're gonna have to sit through another six weeks of this garbage that that will stand in marked contrast to what you're seeing from Ron Johnson and his allies um that people will 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 question some of what they're seeing right, and Mandela. That, that there's time. And the other thing I want to get you to think about it or talk about is our program, which specifically addresses what they're doing, going after race, trying to racialize everything, um, gin up the fear, and to really go through and cut through, talk, talk more about your thoughts on the shape of the election. And then, you know, the role and how we all have agency in actually changing and addressing this.
1: Yeah. Um, I absolutely agree that he's, he's not going on the attack. Thankfully, he's presenting himself as a real person, which I think is the thing that's going to cut through all the noise, all the racism, everything in, in this race. Um, And I, so I've been doing phone banking every Wednesday. Um, And that's a lot of times what I'm hearing on the phones and that our volunteers are hearing on the phones that Mandela is a real person that they can get in contact with him that he cares about communities that Ron Johnson sits on his little lake in Oshkosh on his pontoon boat, and just, you know, has his little mansion, but Mandela's in the community, and he's talking to people and he's, he's real. So that's working for Mandela to not go negative to do whatever he can to ignore all the grossness and just be a real person a real senate candidate but also a real person like it's it's working um what what he's doing i think it is i'm hearing it working yeah
0: well and, and and admittedly according to the spending and it's hard to track all of it he's being outspent two to one Oh, yeah. Um, in these ads. And so he has this difficult position of understanding that there's no way he's going to be able to go toe to toe. And it's hard to go toe to toe with sleaze and garbage. Um, when you're trying to define yourself, as you said, as a human who actually cares about the same things, and re- you can relate to, you mentioned you, you've been on the phones, I've been on the doors myself, and I I concur. Um, I've heard similar things. Uh, and it's, I'll just say, As someone who's going out, it's it's great to have someone like Mandela to be able to talk about and say, "Hey, look, no, 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 I I actually know this person. This is someone who used to register voters in churches, and you know we've known for a long time. And it helps cut through, and it helps also to be able just to talk to folks one on one at their door, um, or through the phones. Um, And we want to encourage people who are listening. To do one of two things today when you're listening to this, I need you to either go donate to us and our program that has a paid component where we have people on the phones every day unpacking the racist crap that they're hearing. Uh, And this is a paid professional team that's been doing this for over two years now. And talking about the othering, uh, anti-immigrant attitudes, racism, for two years, very skilled at having these conversations. They've had over a million and a half dials this year. So fully professional team, but we need to expand it and grow. And we need resources for that. Please click the donate button, go donate. Or, and what I really want to challenge you to do is come and volunteer. We have volunteer opportunities throughout the state, Priscilla's been working tirelessly, helping get scripts together, working with our organizers and our whole organizing team in the, uh, in the Eau Claire area, in Wausau, uh, in in Green Bay, in Milwaukee, to go out and talk talk to voters. Priscilla, talk more about this, because like to me, this is everything, and this is what people need to get off Facebook for a little while, three hours a week at least, if not more, five. Talk to people,
1: (laughs) yeah. Um, I will say, people are having a good time volunteering. I'm hearing nothing but positive reports from volunteers, from our organizers, out on doors, on phones that people are so excited to be able to make a difference. Not only people from the state of Wisconsin, but people nationwide are like, Yeah, my state's fine. I don't need to worry about my state, my Senate seat. So I'm going to call into a state where this could be the 51st vote. So like, yeah, let's get people to turn it up. People are fired up. People are ready to do what they can for Mandela, for everybody else that's running in the state. They want to be able to make a difference. So the next six years are not like our last six years in the state. So people are fired up. They're ready to go. Uh, and we're happy to have more people join us all the time.
0: Uh, remind folks wednesday nights for phone calls
1: wednesday nights phone calls from five to seven thirty uh and then saturdays at 10 slash 11 depending on your region
0: and the again saturday we're we're doing doors i had the privilege of going up to eau claire and helping uh our folks up in eau claire kick off their canvas last weekend and we were out in some of the suburban Eau Claire areas, uh, talking to voters about Mandela and also about our endorsed uh, candidate, Jeff Smith and Allison Page. Uh, and I'll remind folks, we are talking about those state legislative races on the doors too. And I can attest that there's a lack of information about a number of the state legislative candidates. Uh, and, we, in, and we provide an important role and having those conversations, too, when you go do the doors. Folks, we got to take our first break. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Folks, Priscilla Board is with me. We're talking about our important field work, how critical it is. We talked about it last week. The Marquette poll talked about the independent voters and how they swung because of a lot of the garbage ads. Um, We're talking to them, both with our paid and our volunteer program. Absolutely critical you get out. So again, check those links. But Priscilla, I wanted to switch topics and get your thoughts on a horrendous idea from my perspective, (laughs) a Tim Michaels. It seems like Tim Michaels this week wanted to get into the game of how cruel can we be? How tough on crime? Like, I want to get into this shit show that's going on in the Senate race. Uh, and he suggests he wants to end parole, even if it, even if it's illegal in certain cases for him to do it, if currently state law says you can't, he still wants to end parole your thoughts.
1: Yeah. I mean, anytime you're like, oh, horrendous to Michael's like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, no matter what he's doing. But yeah, it just seemed like he wanted to get his name out there, make sure everybody was remembering that he was running, uh, not let the Mandela and Johnson take over all the airwaves. Uh, So he just kind of tried to pick one of the more, I love the word radical because both sides are using it now against each other. Uh, But yeah, I just, keep thinking he's just trying to find bits and pieces of how gross and racist and all of the things that he can he can be and it's so I think the thing that the word that comes to mind is unnecessary like I don't understand the reason behind it like yeah
0: well and this is a guy who just last week was in front of our office across the street at a Milwaukee police shop demagoguing about crime in Milwaukee and You know, doing stuff with the police union. So, uh, look, his campaign—he—he's very authoritarian in his orientation and scary, right? This is a—let's remember, folks. This is a Trump-backed multimillionaire um, who's going around saying really authoritarian-type things, and in this ending parole in spite of what the law is, right? When you hear that, that should that should scare you. Where someone just thinks like their brilliant idea uh, should supplant all existing law, you know, and, uh, as it relates to parole in our criminal justice system, it's absurd and scary, uh, and it's definitely what's at stake. Um, Priscilla, speaking of criminal justice, um, we have to talk about news that broke this week in a very important state Senate race. Jeff Smith, he's the current state Senator in the 31st Senate District in Western Wisconsin, uh, the Eau Claire area, and then all the way to the Mississippi. It's a very, very large district. Uh, It is a district now that is uh, leaning Republican. It is um, an area that's very challenging, Um, but Jeff is up for reelection and news broke this week about his opponent, Dave Estensen. Um, Can you provide us a little bit more information? Because it's it's this is a trend, right? This is a trend we're seeing in this sort of mega misogynistic uh, party. But uh, Dave Estensen should not be allowed to be elected. Priscilla, some more. Give give our listeners the deeds.
1: Yeah, um, this week, the DOJ uh, and DCI released uh, just detailed and shocking Report of sexual misconduct and abuse of power while Essenson was a cop in two different cities, uh, and it is a it's just a terrible laundry list of of things. If you haven't read it, definitely give yourself a little warning when you read it. But it it is a trend, like you said. Uh, I mean, I think 2016 really opened the door when all of those. Uh, quote locker room videos and and recordings of Trump came out and people were like oh it's fine um, and and we're seeing this trend it's happening not just in the state senate seat not just in Wisconsin but all over people who have abused their power running for office and just are like yeah that that's fine it was in the past it doesn't matter anymore but it's just it's it's shocking and terrible that he's still just, he's not going to drop out. He's just in the race and he's just moving on. Yeah.
0: So look, this is, as you mentioned, Priscilla, this is a trend we've been seeing in this sort of mega Republican party. Uh, and it's completely unacceptable. Uh, folks, please take a look at it. We've had this issue with democratic state legislators and we have spoken out clearly and firmly against it. We have supported primarying of democratic state legislators when they have issues clearly around sexual harassment, uh, which is all over this issue. And we've had this with Trigg uh, who's currently in the legislature around this. These folks should not be in office. Uh, And it's, I don't understand. I've not seen Priscilla, any media coverage of this, and I get like it's an election, so you need to be uh careful about one side putting out stuff, but this stuff is sh- shocking and disqualifying kind of kind of garbage uh that no one should have to put up with. So, again, folks, please, if you're if you live in the Eau Claire area, get involved with us, help elect Jeff Smith, help elect folks who say no to this 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 awful awful stuff that we're we're seeing out of this, uh, this current Republican, uh, party here in Wisconsin, uh, Priscilla also, um, last night, I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, the U S house voted in bipartisan. There were nine Republicans, uh, for a bill to, to try and stop from happening again. What happened in the 2020 election in the January 6th insurrection, uh, all four of our Republicans voted against it. Um, your thoughts on this and 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 then also we still have uh, the Senate side and Ron Johnson who seems to be trying to be unclear about his position and support of uh, safe and fair elections.
1: yeah, he's been nice and vague on on that issue um it's it's kind of terrifying that we're almost I almost feel like we're being set up for more not more insurrections, but more fighting to just have fair elections which like we know we live in a state of voter suppression but it's it's just ridiculous that we can't have fair elections that we can't have you know whoever wins whoever doesn't win uh conceits and there you go that's what happens somebody has to win somebody has to lose uh but it's just it blows my mind that this is still happening, that we now had to put a bill forward and it got struck down. Um, so I think I'm just struggling to wrap my mind around it. Like, I need to stop being so surprised by all these things that happened, but this one I'm just like, okay, I don't understand. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I agree. Look, I'm I am not surprised. Um, we have talked over and over on this podcast about this is going to be the first election since the insurrection and this election while it's about a lot of issues and we talk about them democracy is on the ballot and if you have if you're at all out there and having any lack of clarity about it the lack of them voting for this uh, should send shivas down your spine because we already know we've talked about it there's in y'all know there's a concerted effort nationally to win every damn office that is that they think they can turn dog catcher into in charge of elections uh with candidates that are prepared to basically overturn elections whether that be secretary of states down to local uh clerks and wards uh people working elections and the strategy to try and disrupt the elections folks there's a this is critically important and it's another reason why you need to get involved in getting out and talking to folks uh about this election priscilla
1: it is this is the only way what we're gonna get through november is on the ground and in talking to people in clearing up confusion in clearing up All of the everything that's out there in the media by having those conversations is how we can try and win these win these seats and make sure we get people in power who protect elections, no matter the outcome of the election, that our elections are protected, that our right to vote is not just stripped away and taken away and harder for us to access. So these conversations are the things that are going to do it for us
0: democracy folks it is a participatory sport we need you to get involved folks uh we gotta go to a break on the back end robert's gonna have a great interview with henry redmond talking about broadband here in wisconsin and the challenges of getting uh, folks actually access to broadband you're listening to the battleground wisconsin where citizen action
2: so Welcome back to Battleground Wisconsin. This is Robert Craig, Executive Director of Citizen Action of Wisconsin. I'm going to do an interview with a, a journalist, a young journalist we've wanted to talk to for a while. We, we're big fans of the Wisconsin Examiner. And Henry Redman is a, is a reporter there, and he has been doing very good work on democracy, the democracy beat, uh, uh, for quite some time now. Uh, but also wrote about something we've wanted to dig into deeper on Battleground Wisconsin for a while, that is the whole broadband discussion. So, uh, Henry, thank you very much for joining us and your first time on Battleground Wisconsin.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me.
2: So we started in earnest doing explicitly rural organizing because we think it's critical uh, to building... Uh, a a grassroots base in Wisconsin influencing policy to do that. It's a state that's 30% rural population uh, uh, about four or five years ago. And so I didn't come in as an expert in broadband but I've been tracking it and thinking about how we might relate to it even though healthcare and climate are our two top issues. And I've just been struck about how it's always, politicians of both parties always promise broadband and it doesn't seem to happen. And there's all sorts of corporate actors, the telecommunications firms that claim to be there, but then they don't, they don't cover and don't cover these areas, uh, the, the hard to reach areas. And it is fascinating, the national numbers, the Milwaukee Journal sent a good kind of expose on broadband at the beginning of this year. We've spent $40 billion in the United States over the ten last 10 years to provide broadband and, and we are still denying it. It depends what estimate you want to look at. It could be over 100 million people, right, Uh, based on what numbers you want to look at. And in Wisconsin, I think your number in in the recent article you did, uh, Henry, was uh, 1.4 billion since 2014, just in Wisconsin. And yet we know that we do not have universal broadband. The difference between this and say how we did US postal services. We didn't pay private companies to provide postal service through grants that we we said, there'll never be universal free postage at the same level unless the public does it. So we created a public postal service under Ben Franklin as the first uh, postal ge- uh, Postmaster General. Uh, I want to get your take on first. It really does seem like a lot of money is spent and not nearly the progress you would think has been made and it really does seem like trying to have contracts with telecom companies that still have an incentive to cover that much the most profitable, which is more populous areas, uh, and not hone them accountable is part of the issue. Your first article, you you uh, reported an audit bureau report in Wisconsin. We'll get to questions about that report, let's say of audit bureau, uh, that found that in Wisconsin, uh, the there was not enough accountability in the the PSC, the Public Service Commission, is the one that implements the broadband money. It's a lot of new money under the Biden administration. So I want to get your take on broadly on the broadband issue, but then specifically what the controversy now is around the the current money that's moving for broadband in Wisconsin.
3: Largely now in Wisconsin, with some exceptions, the places without adequate broadband access. Are the most remote parts of the state, which is also the hardest part of the state to build out this infrastructure. If you're in northern Wisconsin in the woods, that means you've got to deal with the amount of trees that are up there and less access through roads and things like that. So it gets more expensive and that definitely plays a role. There are st- every year when the PSC puts their the grant applications out, tons of counties and munis- municipalities apply. There's still definitely a need. I I don't have a specific answer for you on exactly what the roadblocks are and why it's taken so long like you said 1.4 billion since 2014 and most of that in the last 4 years cuz it definitely ramped up since the beginning of the Evers administration.
2: And so the counties have to apply. This is not like the new deal where you send out the uh, civilian conservation corps to build the dam, right? This is like, you get to apply. And then we have vendors and then we hold them accountable theoretically to a contract. There's been a lot of discussion nationally and now in Wisconsin that these are not even done in that accountable way. We're handing money to companies that would be in these areas if they were profitable. So the reason we're giving them this money is because it's not profitable and we're going to subsidize it in the public interest. And then they're, if you know, accountability, they have an interest in taking the money and not providing the harder to, the, serving the harder to reach areas.
3: Yeah, the order is a little different. The, mm-hmm. the, the, the local units of government make the, partnership with the telecommunications companies before the application
2: i see so you the have to find your own telecom company that's yes. willing to partner with you okay yes
3: you have to make sure it's a company that's going to come that is already in your area or already close to your area and then you make this joint application to the state for usually it's some portion of the funds required to build out the project
2: so if you're a county and you don't, the, your, your local people who are anywhere near there, the telecom companies say, no, you're out of luck. You have to get, uh, which I'm not sure why you would set things up that way, but that's why I ask you. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. No, so I was going to say, the, LA, the legislative audit bureau says in their audit, and I want to get into, there have been questions raised about it, but then again, there's a whole history nationally as well of lack of accountability to telecom companies, 40 billion spent Uh in recent in the last 10 years and that is that the uh th- that the psc the regulator wants these grants so the counties have found a partner as you've pointed out to our listeners they've applied they've been accepted and but they're not actually provide uh, asking for proof according to the lab uh, this is the assertion of the audit bureau that they uh ha- that they spent as much as they spent anything about how high-speed internet is, if there are a problem with quality where broadband has not really been provided, despite that being the promise, Um, and and even whether they covered these hard-to-reach areas, right? There have been examples where they've gone to areas that already have good broadband or vacation hotspots and and things of that nature. Am I getting that right as far as the Audit Bureau's uh, actual report?
3: Yeah, that's a good summary. I mean, it's essentially the auto bureau said that there's not enough oversight and transparency in the disbursement of the federal money for broadband expansion um because the bureau did not look at the state but like the programs through the state budget um and the bureau basically concluded that there weren't enough written policies for tracking the funds or making sure that what the provider said was being built gets built
2: so to me because we can't all of us investigate everything we come across what we choose to think is probably true since i knew how much accountability problems there have been with broadband how much 40 billion has been given the telecom companies at&t and uh, and the rest and a lot of smaller ones uh federally and we still have huge areas of the country without broadband, arguably a hundred million people without it when it's a necessity right now in a modern digital society uh, that I would tend to say, oh, well, this makes sense. This sounds uh, tracks with what else uh, else I know about the history of broadband expansion and the way we do it uh, with these uh, contracts, as you said, and corporate government partnerships and the lack of strong regulatory oversight, not just at the PSC. But interestingly, I I was surprised, this is your second article, you did a story that said, uh, that the headline is PSC chair, that's the Public Service Commission, says state audit bureau being used as political fodder um, due to report conclusions. So that's pretty strong from the chair of PSC. That's not a some concerns with methodology kind of
3: statement, right? You're exactly right. It is, it is a strong refutation of the Audit Bureau's conclusions. They absolutely disagree with the report's findings that they don't track how this money goes. The chair, Rebecca Volk, told me that the staff in the broad- broadband office fights tooth and nail with the, comp- the providers to track every penny. And so they don't really understand how the Audit Bureau came to these conclusions and themselves think that they were sort of sent on this chase by the Republicans in charge of the Joint Legislative Audit Committee um, to come back with this exact conclusion because the Republicans want to control that federal money. So there's a conundrum,
2: Henry, because at first blush, the LAB... Dave Art Bureau critique tracks a lot of what I've read about the problem with broadband in Wisconsin and nationally, why we still don't have it, despite all the federal and state spending. On the other hand, you have a very strong response. And historically, the LJV Audit Bureau is one of the service agencies Wisconsin has. They came out of the original Wisconsin idea with Wisconsin Madison and the Progressive Era and state government partnering and creating this objective basis for nonpartisan decisions in government. It's been a model for a lot of the states, even the federal government. So we have the Legislative Reference Bureau, the Legislative Fiscal Bureau. They've been historically, Democrat or Republican control, considered very objective and credible. Uh, but there have been concerns recently. And so the Legislative Audit Bureau has historically, and I remember uh, being uh, lobbying for a labor union uh, in in the aughts very credible i mean maddenly so sometimes and maddeningly even had it right if you if you had a position you were trying to advocate for and so it's sort of like a contradiction how they they seem to be coming to a conclusion that tracks a lot of previous experience on broadband but on the other end they they've been historically credible but this is what I get to after our quick break there have been other questions raised about the laissez audit bureau and whether it's still what it always has been. And so Henry, uh, let's take a quick break and I wanna ask you about that. i um, in the next segment of Battleground Wisconsin. Welcome back to Battleground Wisconsin. Talking to Henry Redman, a reporter for Wisconsin Examiner, about the broadband issue and controversies around uh, the integrity and the and the uh, strength of regulations to make sure telecommunication companies follow through on their commitments when they're receiving large public grants, which are flowing right now because of the Biden administration's investments in several different acts. When we last time broke on uh, the podcast just now, we were talking about how the Zave Audit Bureau came to a strong conclusion that the Public Service Commission is not, uh, holding telecommunication companies responsible to actually providing the broadband we're paying to provide to hard to reach areas. But the Public Service Commission chair, as uh, Henry, Henry Redmond's article uh, shows, has uh, hit back hard in saying it is partisan. And that would have been a shocking and the uh, thing that no one would have believed 15 years ago, I would say. But now there was a big controversy already about the Wisconsin Election Commission. And I know that's your beat, Henry, you do democracy coverage. Uh, Can you remind uh, our listeners a little bit about the Legislative Audit Bureau analysis of the Wisconsin Election Commission and how that became controversial and raised questions about whether uh, the Republican majority, the gerrymandered majority, is actually undermining the uh, independence of the uh, Legislative Audit Bureau?
3: Yeah, so... Like you said, this is the second time in as many years that an Audit Bureau report has been criticized for mistakes, faulty conclusions, and sort of starting with a conclusion and then backfilling to get there. Um, Last year, the Audit Bureau did a report on the administration of the 2020 election and found that their was no evidence of widespread fraud, but did make a number of recommendations for how the legislature or the Elections Commission could work to solve what the Audit Bureau said were problems with the state's elections administration. The Election Commission administrator, its members, including its Republican members, were immediately furious with Mistakes the audit bureau made when making its report, partially because the audit bureau didn't give the elections commission a chance to read the draft report and respond to it. As is,
2: that's the long common practice. That's, yes, in order exactly. to catch errors,
3: they want to know what the response is to make sure they double check whether they were right. Exactly, and I mean Dean Knudsen, who at the time was on the elections commission, former Republican legislature, called it sloppy work, an egregious example of inaccuracy. Um, So last year's election commission report and the response to it, combined with the public service commission's response to the broadband report has led people like PSC chair, Rebecca Volk, the Democrats on the joint legislative audit committee to Really start to believe that the Republicans have undermined the sort of nonpartisan reputation of the Audit Bureau.
2: So what do you do with this? There, the there there really is a lot of pro we don't have broadband. We spent 40 billion nationally, 1.4 billion in Wisconsin. Telecom companies do have an incentive if they're not held accountable, because the reason they're not in hard to serve areas is they're not profitable. Right. The only way you could do it if you're giving them public money is to make sure they do it. Um, but then you have credible because of previous what happened with the Wisconsin Election Commission concerns that are long over hundred now hundred year tradition of nonpartisan service agencies being undermined by this by the Republican supermajority in the legislature one that is uh, mandated by maps, not by voters, and so. How do you sort this out? Because I I'm I'm both unwilling to give the PSC a pass because I'm really concerned about how broadband is being done, and our rural members in our rural organizing cannot fathom why we don't already have universal broadband and what the heck is going on, right? And have story after story about how terror what it's like in the areas that still don't have it. Um, but how how do you sort this out? Um, and I know. You have to be careful because you'll report new information. You don't know everything, but I'm kind of asking you for your gut opinion based on what you know now, knowing you'll report new twists and turns in this story. And maybe yourself will all learn new things
3: through that journalistic process. But what's your gut on this? I've spent time at previous jobs reporting on very local levels of the broadband grant program and at this job reporting it from the statewide lens and my gut says that every year more and more cables are being laid and more and more people are being connected and it is genuinely a difficult logistical problem to connect a big state with lots of remote areas such as wisconsin but that doesn't mean that no part of the government's role in this or the provider's role in this is or every part is perfect um you know it's millions of dollars coming into the state through covid relief bills the infrastructure bill passed last year and millions more dollars in the every biennial state budget so you know it's obviously worth tracking and making sure that the projects that they say are going to be built get built and that those projects are helping the right people and making sure that they're connecting people um and so that's a sort of long-winded way to say you know probably a little bit of both
2: so maybe power worded report for partisan reasons but not there is some smoke there one would think, and we shouldn't just give the uh, broadband program a clean bill of health because if even if we believe that the, the legislative audit bureau may have been, uh, you know, may have also had some partisan leaning on them, the stand not the staff, we're talking about the impact of the employers of the staff, right? They, the, the legislators,
3: yes, and I'm never gonna say my reporter brain is never going to let me see a multi-million dollar government program and think it's not worth looking at with a you know serious skepticism
2: i mean i would say all of this experience is reason we should do something more like the post office and have fully public broadband and uh not work through these giant telecom giants but that then we'd love to organize around that we'll see if we uh, if we can build that as a demand but uh let me ask when we still have you for a couple of minutes henry because your main beat has been democracy beat let me ask you generally what's it been like covering that beat because there's there all the weird twists and turns we've had since 2020 and then the gableman investigation and the drama at, at the Wisconsin Commission, at, I'm, not, I'm missing, you know, the attempt to decertify the election, the pressure on Speaker Voss. What's that like as a young journalist covering that beat?
3: I mean, it It never seems to end. I, it's, you know, it's obviously important. I, you know, am glad to have the beat. And am also glad that at the Examiner, I get to sometimes take a break from it and write about the environment or things like that and not get so caught up in the never-ending calls for the overturning of the 2020 presidential election.
2: So what, you know, since you're covering a lot of strands and, you know, one way to think of journalism is it's like an uncompleted book. It's like, there's going to be the next story, the next development, the next development, Uh, real-time history history. Uh, are there any things you would tell us to track on the, on democracy? And, uh, you know, from a progressive standpoint, what we consider a threat to democracy that isn't getting enough attention that you think is a developing story that you're looking out for as, as this unfolds, not only this year, but in the next couple of years, because 2024 is going to be, is sort of a big stress point, obviously, for, for our whole system.
3: I think it's always important to look out for how change to election laws are affecting especially vulnerable voters, um, people with disabilities. There was you know, the recent lawsuit over their ability to get assistance casting ballots. Um, Republicans have put a lot of attention into how the state's voter rolls are maintained. And there's, yeah. What do you, you make know. of that one,
2: Eric? Is a national repository that a lot of states, a number of states, are part of, and it allows us to catch people who move, right? And you, the data tracks. What what could there be critique of that? It seems like it improves election integrity on face, uh, Henry. What what's the critique?
3: The critique is that somehow it's illegal, and connected to. George Soros and these webs that they've drawn between all of these disparate groups. I don't know how you, the state would be able to end its relationship with Eric and continue to track people who move to or die in other states without having to greatly expand the number of staff at the elections commission because that's a massive amount of work required to do all that data tracking. To me, the only way this makes logical sense that
2: and then the whole idea that somehow liberal foundations or billionaires funding basic uh, kind of structures that allow people more easily to vote, right? Increasing capacity of local government is if you actually think more people voting is a problem. In other words, that's the scandal that they prefer it be made harder for these folks to vote because that would benefit them politically. I don't see any other connective tissue in that and a lot of their base may well already agree with that it's sort of a, it's the unexpressed premise here that we don't want certain folks voting.
3: Yeah, and you know, they say it's not they say that it's just about following the rules. I don't know how Eric doesn't help you follow the rules, but I'm, you know, still watching it. It's my job to keep watching it.
2: Well, we'll keep watching what you come up with, Um, and you and your colleagues, the Examiner, are doing an invaluable role in the state. I think a lot of the good state issue reporting we're getting is from the Wisconsin Examiner, especially with the decline of for-profit newspapers, right, the whole old newspaper model. Which I assume has changed uh, job prospects for all journalism graduates. So it's good you were able to land at the Examiner, given that uh, the, the other traditional opportunities are are still evaporating in American journalism. So yeah, I'm I'm happy where I'm at. <laughs> well, thanks a lot for joining us. Good to get to meet you and. Uh, uh, well, I'm sure we'll have you back on about, uh, well, maybe maybe we'll, we'll do something. Other than we'll see what is. I have a feeling that, you, that you're, you're more likely to be in the crossfire and the democracy beat than most others, but we'll see how it develops. So thank you very much for joining us, Henry.
3: Yeah, thank you.
0: And with that, we really appreciate this great interview, that great interview with Henry Redmond. But we have to wrap it up we want to thank our producer, Brian Wildridge, who makes the Battleground podcast happen every week. Of course, want to thank Priscilla Bort for also filling in and talking with us uh, since Robert uh, had to miss the first couple segments. But We'll see you all again next week at the Battleground Wisconsin.